Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. My guest this week is Zach Valenti. He's a filmmaker, a voiceover artist, and a mental health advocate. How's it going, Zach? Going great. Awesome to be here. Welcome to the show. Uh, you, you do a lot of stuff. Um, uh, one of the last things on your list is the first thing we're going to talk about. It's called Wolf 359 uh, Podcast. You want to tell me about that? Awesome. Yeah, sure. So uh, Wolf 359 is a podcast, uh, but it's not like a, a sort of pundit talk show. That It's more like a, a classic radio play, um, sort of golden age radio style uh, recurring. If you are a fan of, let's say, like Futurama and X-Files, imagine those two shows, but without the video. So like Fox Sunday on radio? Uh, I guess so. so. That's I, when all those shows are on. Oh, Right, 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 right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm so like divorced I think, from wasn't television. Wasn't Futurama at this point. a Fox Sunday show? I'm sure. I'm just like so in the streaming zone. Yeah, now, I was going to say now like, it's TV. just a Netflix show. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, so uh, it was. I had after graduating from college, wanted to. I'd done some stuff for the radio station. Wanted to really see if I could push it and and you know pay rent by opening up my mouth. Um, and I got into the commercial world and that was great, but it wasn't quite moving as quickly or as creatively as I wanted out of the gate. Um, so I dabbled around with, I think I did a, a couple weeks of a sock puppet show on YouTube. And then another friend, uh, of mine who was looking to write more came along with an idea that turned into Wolf 359. It's so it's been relatively successful. I hear. Yeah, we uh, just celebrated our second anniversary, and and by the luck of the, I, I guess, listenership, uh, we celebrated our millionth download on the same day this past August. Um, we're halfway through season three, and uh, and it's just been so exciting. There's an incredible community on Tumblr of fan artists and just amazingly caring and passionate listeners. Uh, there's, there's just been a really cool response. Nice. I, I, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, so I will admit I didn't have a chance to check it out, but I'm very I, intrigued. I did not expect you to. Not a problem. I think I my parents are still catching up. I don't spend enough time in the car. <laughs> right. right. Uh, no, I, if it weren't for the MTA, podcasts would not be a part <laughs> of my life. I'm here in New York, and just like my commute time is listening to people talk to me. <laughs> I think if I want to listen to more podcasts, I'm going to need to get a car that gets better gas mileage. <laughs> right. All right. So I'm actually, I'm moving something up on the list that we had talked about. Um, you said uh, paying rent with your voice and a big part of what you do is voiceover work. Yes. I, I think you listed it as voiceover artist. Does that, yeah, I, uh, is that an art form work. for you? Uh, I, I, at this point, yes. If you asked me like before I got deep in Wolf 359 and started working with some real actors, like I kind of just turned on a mic and started talking and, and then I have like, you know, rep, uh, Shakespeare company actors next to me that are showing me how it's done. So at this point I feel more grounded in that title. Um, I, 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 I like just it. copy paste my bio over the years. <laughs> so that, that's how it ended up the first time it came out. I used to run a an agency that did some uh, TV and radio advertising. Mm -hmm. And there is a 
severe lack of voiceover talent. We found one guy that had just like a golden voice and he ended up being like the voice of the company on multiple commercials. But what's it like in New York? Is there a very competitive voiceover industry? Huge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, this is like all the training I've gotten is if you want to do video games and animation, there's a little bit of like kids TV here with Nickelodeon. Yeah. But move to L.A. If that's the game you want, move to L.A. This is where commercial lives. And of course, you know, if you're the James Earl Jones of the world, you could live in Timbuktu and do it and, you know, show up in your nice home studio in your, you know, boxers and and let it rip. But if you want to get started in commercial voiceover and not deal with the sometimes uh, I don't I have mixed feelings about the pay to play networks Um, like I, I don't need to name specific websites, but there are a lot of websites where you pay a subscription to get access to auditions for some companies. And that's gotten me some work non-union, but really if you want to be getting like, you know, big checks and like Snickers ad type stuff, you need an agent and it helps to be in New York. Have you done any commercials I would have seen? Probably not. I was the voice for one TV ad a couple years ago, non-union for a product that's uh, charge your iPhone with a fire for like a camping tech product. I have seen that product, but I've not seen (laughs) a commercial for it. Yeah. I play like the boyfriend voice and there's just this like (laughs) shot of this like, you know, fit hip Portland lady, like looking back lovingly at, I guess, whoever I'm supposed to be. Probably a hip Portland. Yeah, right. Exactly. With a beard. I'm guessing. That's my, that, that is my assumption as well. (laughs) And, uh, and yeah, you know, it was, it was just one of those funny, like they heard my reel on one of these sites and it was just like after months of nothing, it was like overnight we're, you know, I'm paid, we're done. I never see it again. I emailed them two years later and I finally get a link and it's actually, it was pretty cool. Nice. You do have a, you have a very pleasant voice. Where Thank were you, you, where, where were you from before New York? Uh, New York. Really? I, uh, yeah, I, and it didn't occur to me until I went to college and, and people were like, you're from, and, and then moved back after college. And I, it turns out I'm some kind of unicorn, but, uh, I was born on the Upper West side, uh, grew up like right across the street from the natural history museum. Um, the elephant room was basically my extended living room. Um, but I tried to avoid the whale room cause that thing's going to fall on you. I don't care what they say. <laughs> so, so, okay. New York with money. Uh, you know, it's funny. Yes. I mean, by the national average, sure. Yeah. And then I transferred from public school to private school. So it's all relative. And that was no kind of judgment. I'm just trying to figure out, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you have a very newscaster accent. Like you do, oh. there are certain words that I would expect a New Yorker to pronounce differently. Oh, just oh slightly. No, that, that's more me being raised by television than okay. like some snooty thing. Um, as much, you know, you you can fit in just about anywhere. I appreciate that. I feel like I mean, you would, you would be a foreigner everywhere because you wouldn't have the accent. Exactly. No, you would sound like the news guys. I have the accent of media. Yes. The, uh, and like, kind of like the, like a declining age of media too. Like I don't book a lot of commercials because they're looking for this, like, dude next door voice that I just can't do. Like there's a polish <laughs> that I can't shake no matter what I do. And, and it's was sort of frustrating when I first started out, 
but it's been a lot more fun leaning into it and just accepting like I'm not going to get the like sloppy sandwich job because I my voice doesn't turn off that part of your brain that makes you remember that I'm trying to sell you that sloppy sandwich. Do you know the guy who does those Arby's commercials? I don't know him personally. No, that the first thought I had when I saw that commercial. Well, the first thought was gross. Uh, <laughs> second thought was, wow, that that is a unique voice. And I imagine that will lead to more work if it's not already someone who gets plenty of work. I don't know, though. Right. Anyhow. OK, so that's kind of your your day job. You, you filmmaker as well. What does that right. entail? Right. Well, so the, the last thing in the voiceover front, and this has been the, the most steady work, um, honestly, is I'm the voice of an app um, that is sort of like Headspace. Are you familiar with mm-hmm. that? Yeah. yeah. The, mind, the 3D mind mapping one? Uh, or is no. this different? Uh, the guided meditation app. Okay. Uh, no, I haven't seen this one. Okay. Um, this is Headspace is like in my uh, experience, one of the more popular um, sort of guide you through everyday meditation. Sure. Um, and uh, and so there's been a lot of, you know, sort of like clones or, or you know, competitors, like basically like Headspace for X. And uh, <laughs> and I landed the voice of essentially Headspace for the bedroom, um, which is Pillow Play, uh, an app that's designed for uh, helping busy couples reclaim intimacy in the bedroom with guided audio experiences. So that's been a, uh, a small fund that supported me turning my third bedroom into a recording booth, which has been really nice. That is intriguing. So this isn't your project, like you're paid to. Yes, that's right. I I got hired, I got cast and mindfulness uh, meditations for couples. Basically, yeah. I mean, there's some that are more playful and and maybe more sort of sexual in nature, but they're for the most part like breathing, like eye contact, touch, like without being sort of uh, explicit. It's it's very like I I don't think there are a lot of couples that would try it and be like that was horribly offensive or not my thing. Um, I think a lot of people would find it to be really welcoming and comfortable and fun. Um, without being like porny, <laughs> <laughs> sensual, not sexual. Right. Um, what um, What was the name of that one? Uh, that's Pillow Play. Okay. Um, and the website's just pillow.io. I think they added the play when they, you know, just uh, there's like a really popular sleep tracker called Pillow Also, uh, <laughs> which you know, the wars of the app store. Well, I think Pillow Play is kind of a, a long-standing colloquial euphemism. Anyway, uh, not, we, we won't get into the etymology. But, um, <laughs> sure. So, yeah. Okay. So, so then that led to film or? Uh, well, so, yeah. Well, so my, my actual day job is uh, I, I, I'm a filmmaker at a startup, um, an e-learning company called One Month. Um, and what we do right now mo- more than anything is teach people how to code in a month. We have some other courses and this is like, how to get your first Rails app and like a clone of a popular site, sort of like Pinterest or, you know, something going through the code along with somebody who's like fun and not stuffy and like hanging out. And, sure. you know, I think they are known to drink wine on the videos. <laughs> um, and uh, and as, so as that, one does. Right. Um, 
the the developers who know how to hang. Um, and so, uh, so yeah. So I have to I, tell you, they drink beer. I, developers who know how beer. to hang drink beer. I don't know a lot of wine developers. <laughs> well, OneMonth.com, where developers drink <laughs> there wine. There you go. <laughs> um, For the new breed so, of sophisticated yeah. developer. It was funny. I was like really allergic to the idea of a day job uh, two years ago. And my friend introduced me to a friend of hers who had read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss yep, and yep. done it successfully. And I, I was like, I want to crib this guy's notes because I want to make, you know, my rent by like doing some scheme that makes me work nothing at all and then do things that don't make me money, which seem to be what I tend to towards. Yeah, um, we have that in common. Right. Oh, my God. Tell me about it. Um, and uh, And within like, five minutes of chatting and this is the the sock puppet show that I was doing at the time before wolf 359 he it was like just the tips with ruffles where it's like this sock puppet gives you horrible advice about various parts of life and we tried to like optimize it for search but because we didn't label his parody it got a lot of thumbs down because people really <laughs> don't want the advice that we have well, um, wasn't there a, a video recently of someone who demonstrated how to add a headphone jack to the new oh, iPhone. I, I saw that. I didn't click on it yet. So many irate to... people Ugh, apparently I have... who drilled into their phone. Ugh, I'm tempted. I have the new one, and that <laughs> I I use Bluetooth headphones, and I'll save this for the pick. Um, because and it's like this is the saving grace for me, but it's definitely frustrating. The camera for me makes it worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. So yeah. So I um show you know they they saw i was doing comedy videos that kind of like headed towards how to they were doing how to and looking to add some comedy to their voice and you know two years later i've been with them for two years and recently went part-time so i can spend I, i've automated a lot of the studio there and the workflows there <laughs> so i kind of wanted to spend more time um doing public speaking around mental health, which we'll get to. Um, but also, you know, the podcast is taking up more time. Uh, Wolf 359 has like a Patreon now, and that's been creating, you know, more opportunity for us to do more. And then there's more for the bonuses that people get, um, in the people who back the show. So yeah, just like, you know, there's never enough time for more side projects really. By the way, I automated my first job to the point where I got bored and quit. Right. And I got and my job was, down to like two hours a week. And oh, wow. well, it's, it's definitely not quite there. That's <laughs> that's very impressive. Um, uh, and I, I, I have to say I attribute listening to this show to sort of seeing that coming and having a conversation with uh, with my co-founder, one of my co-founders and just like sort of exploring like what. I wanted to get better at that would actually serve the company and, and just sort of like sussing that out. Um, so yeah, thanks for putting out. <laughs> it probably sort of like helps that you comes. like the company. You yes. have reason to want to stay. Right. And I, you know, I don't know. I didn't know ass about startups before I started. It was one of those, like, I love startups. And then like, you know, two years later, I'm like, Oh my God. Like, yeah, it's a risky health? business. Um, and, uh, and it's been a lot of, I think it's like, comes down to the people. Um, like I just love some of the, the folks I work with there. So it's cool to get to like 
hang out there a couple days a week in this beautiful studio that like, you know, it's like a funded startup. So like my first thing was like, so we need like a studio. I was like, uh, what's my budget? They're like, you tell me. Um, and how many foosball tables does, how many foosball zero, zero foosballs. <laughs> okay. That's a win. Yeah. Yeah. Zero, zero foosball tape. Uh, my favorite thing that I built, I'm a big Casey Neistat watcher on YouTube. Um, and he has this table that's like basically if you can imagine just like a really simple plywood table, but then with plumber's pipes coming up off of it, making like a, like kind of a, a bed frame over it that you can eventually get a camera on a board pointing down at the table also that you can like draw and do stuff on the table like build something or demonstrate something with your hands or like physical like toys or something and just shoot straight down um which is kind of annoying if you're doing that a lot and don't have like a permanent setup um so that's probably my proudest accomplishment it and sounds that sounds ingenious Oh, it's so fun. And I'm <laughs> nice. really not looking forward to what the landlord has to say when we take it out, if we ever have to move. I worked in 1995. Uh, I, no, I'm sorry, 1999. At what I think was probably one of the first places that decided to go with a whole startup feel. Uh, pool tables, scooters, uh, foosball tables, beer in the fridge. It was wow. Yeah, and that sounds I like mean, a set. Like in nineteen ninety nine, right? Right. And like <laughs> open workspace. No one had offices except for the president because he Yeah. But like they became super successful. They have three huge offices in New Damn. York, LA, and somewhere in That was not what I was expecting. No, they got huge. Yeah, you would think that early on that, that it would be before its time. Right. But yeah, no, they made it like Damn. as a startup that started with like 13 of us coding in an That's open awesome. room in the yeah. in the warehouse district of Minneapolis. <laughs> Back when nice. warehouse district was cheap before it got hipper. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. You don't know Minneapolis, I assume. You're a New York kid. I, I can't say. Yeah, I'm, I'm a New York kid through and you through. You probably don't. You probably couldn't even find Minneapolis on a map. It would it would take it would take Google. I'm sorry, Minneapolis. I, I get it. I get it. If I didn't grow up in this region, I would probably ignore most of it as well. I spend a lot of time defending the Midwest, uh, or at least Minnesota, because the rest of the Midwest I hate as much as everyone else. But anyway, okay, so. On the side, you have these side projects, and one of them is Project Uplift. Yes, that's right. Tell us all about Project Uplift because this is oh, kind of amazing. It's my it's one of my favorite things that I get to do. Um, so Project Uplift is I like to call it an insane mental health awareness campaign uh, that exists to disappear stigma around mental health and in the process empower people as their own first line of defense against stress, anxiety and depression. And we All do that right. with technology and play. Okay, explain. Elaborate. Uh, yes. So uh, it all, uh, well, I'll, I'll get into how it started, um, but I'll explain what it is. So imagine 
and we typically do events on college campuses, although we've started to work with other, other groups. So imagine you're, you know, let's say in college or, uh, in, uh, in college, um, you're walking to maybe go to your next class or to lunch sometime around the afternoon. And out of the corner of your eye, you see this 15 foot tower with like a globe floating in it and someone sitting next to it and a big crowd of people like watching. And you know, I, my reaction is like, okay, I want to go check it out. Um, and so this is the installation piece that we tore around. Um, that is a 15 foot tower, three foot, three feet wide with a beach ball inside of it. Um, it's sort of like if you can imagine a 15 foot plastic straw with, uh, this ball in it and, a person sitting next to it wearing a headset that reads their brain waves will meditate, do a basic, you know, stress reduction, mindfulness exercise. And when they relax by their, the measurement of their brain waves, like the ratio of alpha to beta waves, uh, it will communicate with the tower and trigger a fan, which then will lift up the ball, um, basically creating a visual experiential metaphor of when I lift myself up inside, I literally lift up the world. Wow. That's kind of crazy. Did you hear the Systematic 151 with Steve Lambert compete to I, relax? I want Yes. Yes. This yeah. was, uh, he did, uh, I, he did, was it he, the ball that like kind of goes well, back and forth? Well, between he's people? done a bunch of installations, but one of his first projects was a game where you were it was like a race to see who could relax more and it used like basic sensors to measure your state of relaxation or stress and the more stressed you got the slower you would move it was i don't know if i heard that one i i definitely have heard i'm like trying to figure out if i've heard that episode or if i'm like transposing because i've heard a lot about this one installation where it's like there's a ball between two people and it kind of like bounces back and forth to the person who's least relaxed. And so if the ball ends up in your lap, you've like lost the game. Similar concept, but I think that's a probably a different creator. Okay. So anyway, this... I'll have to go back and listen to that one. That sounds awesome. Let's talk a little bit about technical details on this. Yeah, uh, sure. This tower. How, how are you sensing brainwaves? So I really, there was like a lot of stuff coming out. I, I prototyped this with uh, a group called Sandbox Engineering Design back in uh, the spring of 2013. Um, and I really wanted to work with the Interaxon Muse product. They were more focused on iOS, so I couldn't go with that. So at the end of the day, I picked up um, the a $99 headset from um, Neurosky. Uh, which is just the NeuroSky MindWave. At this point, I wasn't even using. Now we use the MindWave Mobile, which is a Bluetooth headset. Um, we partnered with them early on. They gave us a couple of their like RF model for free, um, and uh, and basically we just created a, a really simple circuit with that. I mean, really simple if you know how to solder. Um, so not for me, but for the the team that I was working with, with uh, an Arduino Uno. Um, just one of off the shelf microcontroller, um, and, uh, and one of these headsets. So, okay. So who's, who's the, uh, part of the team that's doing Arduino programming and soldering? Right. Or are those so different people. 
Um, so this was uh, sandbox engineering design is like rapid prototyping there. I think there are like four or five friends from uh, from engineering school that kind of all have different jobs and lives. And then they kind of unite as this like superhero team. A friend introduced me to them when I was looking for students to build this prototype. And it was just really challenging to start a project with college free college volunteer work. <laughs> also uh, often found. a bad idea. Yeah. As far uh, as longevity and scalability. Yep. So, <laughs> so yeah. So, uh, so, uh, my f good friend, uh, Rachel, uh, who I was working with to kind of coordinate these, um, these students at the end of the, like the meeting where I like kind of took questions from people and tried to recruit, I was like, we need somebody else. She's like, I got somebody else. And it was these guys. Um, and they were great. Um, they, uh, one of them is more into the, uh, sort of structural, um, uh, mechanical engineering. Another one was more on the electronic side. A third one was a developer and, um, and two of the, that we did a bunch of preliminary work and kind of decided, do we want a tube version or do we want it to be without a tube and just use air currents? Um, and should it be five feet, 10 feet, 15 feet, 20, you know, like basically like we kind of dreamt big and then scaled back in various ways, figured out how much money it would cost to, uh, to prototype. And I, we struck a barter where I basically offered to make them uh, promo videos in exchange for their business in exchange for basically the cost of labor. Um, so they did it at cost. I think maybe, maybe their plane tickets and the, you know, whatever it costs to get the plastic and, and yeah. the, all that. That's sounds like a way better barter than I was ever offered, which would always be exposure, Ugh. which never is worth anything. Any, any young people listening, if someone offers to give you exposure for work you do for them for free, uh, tell them to go away. Yeah, it really is the E word, <laughs> like <laughs> all the things that I've been doing. Um, and I've been there and I've done it. And it's just like, I don't know. It's I, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't gotten anything out of it. So, OK, do when you go to campuses with this this device. Yes. Do you do it with campus blessing or is this like super gorilla? <laughs> uh, we typically do it with campus blessing. Um, I think it's like it, 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 so it depends and things are definitely different now because it's all open source. So anyone can go on to, to GitHub and there's a link through our website to find the repo. Uh, basically there's like a bunch of instructions for how to do it. At some point I will release, I've been promising a, uh, a video series to walk some of the less <laughs> technical people who might want to do this through it. But in the meantime, if you have a friend who knows and owns a soldering iron and have like a couple hundred bucks to spend, you can build like a desktop version that uses a ping pong ball, um, through our GitHub and, and eventually we'll make it really clear how to do the full scale version and, and to do it all through video. Um, nice. but the existing events, like the first one that I ever did was actually at my alma mater at Wesleyan university. Um, and it was one of those awesome experiences. Um, the, so project uplift was an idea that I had in college cause I had dealt with my own mental health issues. And by the time I got over myself and like went and actually spoke to a professional, it just made such a huge difference in such a short amount of time, um, that I 
felt silly for not going sooner, but I remembered why I didn't go. Cause it just like felt like admitting like something was wrong with me. Um, which n- no, which is being human. Um, and, uh, and yeah. And, uh, and I, through working with another nonprofit, um, that was doing mental health awareness in India, I had the idea to do sort of the f- reverse of side of the coin, um, in the U S where we were bringing like drugs and Western medicine out to areas that just don't have it, where it's really a miracle that for anybody who is cynical about pharmaceuticals, like you haven't met a 20 something year old dealing with schizophrenia in rural India and seen how much that stuff changes their life for the better. Um, and on the flip side, it's like, I think that there's an insane overdiagnosis and, you know, um, over prescription, um, here at home in the States. Um, and there, I think there's a lot of potential for what is called or referred to as like alternative medicine or like Eastern practice, sure. you know, like contemplative stuff that I think is just as valid in its own right. And not they're they're not equal. They're just both valuable for what they're value. And of course I'm not a mental health care professional. Talk to your doctor, so on and so forth. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that was where I had the idea. Um, and, uh, it wasn't until after I graduated and I was in like a self development program, um, at a place called landmark that I got coaching every week to like actually do this thing. Um, and like, call up Neurosky and ask them for headsets and call up Wesleyan and sell them on an event that like I hadn't built anything for. And so that was how that first event and how I got half the money to build the thing came about was calling up the woman in charge of the health center and just asking her how it's going around mental health and seeing if she'd be interested in hearing about an idea I had. And she loved the idea of a, what did I, so it was specifically a mindfulness carnival. Okay. Um, the idea of like, I remember at Wesleyan when I was in college, I like never went to anything scheduled. It was like, (laughs) if it was something where I had to be in a room at a time, it was like, I ignored it. The second I I went to like one fire safety meeting and then I found out it was optional and that was it. (laughs) But every year they had a carnival with like cotton candy and like a giant bouncy castle. And like, you could see it from a mile away. I like wanted to go play obviously. And so it was, that was kind of the, the vision for the event on college campuses was like, how can we get the, I'm going to that thing no matter what, like, and I like, I'm like naturally drawn to it for health rather than for just whatever BS. Sure. All right. I have a quick question. Sure. You said you were coached. Yes. Define coached for me. Sure. Um, so uh, I was in a program called the Self-Expression and Leadership Program at a company called Landmark um, in New York City. They've got, I think, centers all over. Um, and basically the the structure was I had a possibility of like peace of mind, wellness, and fun. And the challenge was how do you realize that in your community with an, I, I don't know if this was, I don't remember if this was the assignment, but I took it as a not-for-profit project. Um, and, uh, at the very least it was a community project. And I was like, I had this crazy idea back in college 
to basically do what Ken Kesey had done with acid, like do like a bus trip across the country to like transform the consciousness of America, but to do it with something that would sustainably like not <laughs> make anybody crazy and like, def- like guarantee sanity. Sure. Um, yeah. Or like at least leave people sort of campsite rule, like better than we found them um, to do it with <laughs> mindfulness, basically. <laughs> And the centerpiece of this crazy bus trip was going to be landing in a city or, you know, community and setting up this gigantic tower that lets people lift the world with their mind that everyone I showed it to in college, except for this one girl thought was the stupidest that they're like, that's cute. That'll never work. I had this like whole PowerPoint. I was so excited and then crushed. And except for this one person who's like, call me when you got the bus. It's like, okay. (laughs) Um, and I never got the bus yet. Um, but in the meantime, uh, when I was, you know, sort of challenged to come up with something to focus on for a three month leadership program, I was like, why don't I try to build that stupid tower thing? And I'm so glad I did. Cause it didn't, I didn't complete it within the three months of the program. I managed to lock down the uh, sponsorship of hardware. I think they sent me like a bunch of these like brainwave cat ears that all the attendants that came with me to the campuses wore. So you'd sort of, it was know who was working the event because they'd have these cat ears on their head that would move based on their mood. Wow. Um, yeah. That's actually kind of cool and branding at the same time. Oh, it's so fun. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and then also was just like, I think they offered to like share on their exposure, (laughs) share on their social media, (laughs) Um, that was doing the event. Um, and the other place that we did, we kind of hit three, three places. So yeah, so we, I know this is all over the place. This is my ADD in audio form. Um, (laughs) so, uh, we, uh, we basically three months after that program ended had built the device. So we got all the parts together. We got all the money together. We got all the partnerships sort of lined up. And then it was executing three months later in the spring around finals week seemed to be the time that schools were really interested in bringing this in at this like critical month right before kids get too busy to want to do anything other than like study and like survive the test, but not too much in advance that they're not like actually interested in like something that would relieve stress that they're currently facing. Nice. All right. Yeah, we are all over the place. Two two ADHD (laughs) people doing a podcast. I think we're kind of on topic. Um, Yeah. So what was the reaction overall? Like, is this, did this project become well known? Did you achieve what you were looking to achieve? Oh, it's, it's been so awesome. And you know, it's like anything, like, of course I want it to be bigger, but it's like one of those things where, you know, it wouldn't die like, and it won't die. Um, there was definitely a point. So like the, the first trip was, um, Wesleyan, UPenn or Penn. They don't like UPenn. Um, this is uh, <laughs> university of Pennsylvania. Um, and, uh, and then we did union square, um, park in New York city, um, all in like the course of a month. And that was sort of our like alpha tour. And that was great. Like Ariana Huffington, like tweeted about us and, um, and it was just like this very kind of exciting moment of like kind of looking at planning a longer tour. And at the time I was like, 
a little over a year out of college. I was still living at home. I was starting to get like some looks, um, you know, just like having some conversations with my, my folks. And it just like was in that zone of like, this probably isn't going to make me move out money. If anything, this is going to move me out into a van, (laughs) which I don't think anybody is thrilled about. Um, and so I kind of put it on the back burner um, and started focusing on freelance videography where I can make a little bit more immediately or, or more than anything, just work more consistently in New York City um, and focus on voiceover, hoping that I'd hit that like huge candy bar ad that would just like pay me 50K a year for like three years. And then I could just like not worry about anything and just like get in the van and go. Um, but uh, But yeah. Like I said, it wouldn't die. It was one of those things where I got like the contact form on the website was constantly there. So I would get queries kind of every month until this one came up that was basically, do do you want to bring this international? I was like, of course I do. And so we started chatting on Skype once in a while. I was a grad student at the time in India and I kind of forgot about the conversation and then like within the next six months, he had two Ted talks on his Facebook page. And I was like, what up, dude? Like, how are you doing these? And he was like, you want one? I was like, yes. (laughs) And within the next year, he invited me to come out to the National University of Singapore, where at at that point he was a a grad student there. Um, And uh, and it was sort of one of those questions of like, all right, this is great, but how are we going to do this? Like, how are we going to get the money to ship this massive structure out there and, you know, make this work until we had the idea of having local students in the college build a new one and use that process to make it open source as we sort of recreate it from scratch and improve on the design. Um, and the school loved it. They funded the whole thing. And, um, I, if you search the web for how to lift the world with your mind, Zach Valenti, you'll find, uh, the, the talk of, how this project came into being just sort of my sort of story of dealing with depression on camp as a college student on campus to then having this idea and ending up in Singapore with this incredibly diverse cast, uh, building this thing like Bai Tong, the Chinese engineer who like got roped in to help his friend and just like didn't sleep the whole week trying to get it going. It was like one of those just dramatic scenes of like, we were up all week. Like I landed on like a Friday and the talk was the next Saturday and we were up until like 6 a.m., 10 a.m., like the day of the TEDx event. And we were like, they were considering putting in like a fake button because it wasn't working. And then all of a sudden they figured it, like it all came together, like right before the lights went up. It was unbelievable. Nice. And And since then. An omen almost. Oh yeah. Unbelievable. And, and, and yeah. And since then it's been really cool. Cause that, I think the Ted platform, like I, this is like the one place where I think exposure has paid off in some ways. I think just like the, I don't know, like the sort of cult of brand around it, um, has had people see it and get in front of decision makers that have brought me to like Massachusetts general hospital, um, where I got to work with, uh, Dr. Herbert Benson and the Benson Henry Institute for hub week last year. And he's like hero. Like he's one of the people who wrote the book, literally wrote the book, um, relaxation response, which was like the first 
mindfulness for medicine text, like at, from like a, an established Western doctor. Sure. Um, and then, um, I got to speak this year at the, uh, National Alliance on Mental Illness, um, NAMI's, uh, Southwestern, uh, Pennsylvanian, um, annual conference, um, about like leadership and community building. And it's, it's just been, it's been a really cool experience. And now the push is towards giving it away and letting other people create their own project uplift with the open source initiative. Have you considered selling the, the small scale versions of it as like, um, a way to keep it running? Yeah, I, I have. It's one of those things. It's like, I just know, I don't know what I don't know. And it's just <laughs> like the margins, like don't look pretty. And my like back of the napkin numbers and like the force trainer already exists with Mattel, which is like kind of the same thing, but just about concentration instead of relaxation, which makes it remarkably different in my opinion. But the, I can't de like compete with that scale and price point. Um, I think they've got it for like 40 bucks now on Amazon. It's nuts. <laughs> so, okay. So the goal of the project was to bring attention to and help, uh, remove stigma. Correct. Yeah. And I, I think how I like to talk about it now is after, you know, really considering and talk. So mental, mental illness is one of the biggest like health crises we're dealing with as a species, like the world health organization saying that by 2020, it's going to be the number one thing, keeping people out of work and the number one expense, health expense, um, you know, uh, in the world. Um, and, uh, I think when I was dealing with mental health issues on campus, I, I, I wasn't diagnosed with depression. I've have a diagnosis for learning disabilities, but I definitely had a really rocky period. Um, and, uh, and I think when we talk about mental health generally, I think a lot of times what we're really saying is mental illness. And it's, I think important to make a distinction between the two. Because while not everyone will have a mental illness in their lifetime, most of, I, I, maybe not most of, but like a large percentage, like almost 50%, I think from some of the research I've seen will, but not everyone will. Well, and everyone's going to come in contact or be with someone exactly literally related to. Yes. And all of us have mental health. Right. It's like, if you're a human being with teeth, you have dental health. If you're a human being with yeah. a mind, you have mental health. And there's a lot you can do for it. And it's like when I started to think about that, notice that, and it's like kind of an obvious tautological thing, but it's like, when I think about that, it's like, I don't, people don't go skiing or like, I don't go running because I have a broken wrist. It's like, I enjoy the feeling of it. And is there some equivalent of that for the mind? Well, it seems like, I mean, if we're going to approach it medically, yeah, that's, <laughs> but I don't think most people think of it that way. Right. Psychology. <laughs> so did did this project in your opinion begin to provide more of the uh perception that you wanted to put out there absolutely yeah it's been especially cool to continue to be in contact with some of the students at the events that we threw and just like the conversations on those campuses around mental health because the i mean a the design of it had students meet professionals that they wouldn't have otherwise met 
unless they had a really dire circumstance that had them eventually get over the, you know, the, the sort of, um, hurdle to make the phone call to have an appointment. They just got to like hang out and play with this toy and like meet somebody that then isn't so scary when they actually need them. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, just like, especially getting to do more public speaking, like having people walk away with, Oh, like we can just like play for our mental health. And as a natural sort of like result, mental illness, isn't that scary. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and just like leaving people with a new view of these things, I think is the, I think the biggest promise of the project. Cause I think our view is more often than not the thing that holds us back from making a difference or taking sort of new actions. I wish that the uh, psychiatric profession, ranging from therapists to psychologists to psychiatrists, didn't have so many actually bad doctors and and professionals in it. Because it's one thing to remove people's fear of going and fear of seeking help. Right. But if they go seek help and it's horrible, I feel like that's even worse. Right. I don't think you're wrong. I've been incredibly lucky with the the, serv- the sort of care providers that I've um, been connected with. Um, and I don't think that it's an accident that, I, you know, I live in New York and like, (laughs) you know, have a mother who grew up here also. And so like, you know, she just like knows where to point me when I have anything that ails me. Um, and, uh, and not everybody has that and there aren't as many options in many parts of the country and, and even less in many parts of the world. Yeah. Yes. I can attest to that. I I will gleefully tell you though, that my current psychiatrist is wonderful after a year of of just horrible people that's so so great (laughs) i i just uh in the last like two months put out a youtube video on how to find a therapist with a friend of mine who does another audio drama podcast um which uh is just awesome it's like sort of x uh, X x-men therapy sessions so like imagine like you know a shrink working with somebody with like telepathy. I feel like that's uh, entirely valid given the personalities of the X-Men. Oh, it's so it's yeah, right. Exactly. What's this one called? Uh, this is, um, uh, Lauren Shippen's the bright sessions. Um, so it's called the bright sessions and my friend Lauren Shippen and I, uh, she, she lives in LA and when she was in New York last, we did a video on how to, how to pick a therapist. And I think the most important point we made is don't stick with someone you don't click with, which I feel like is not like in the manual. <laughs> not that, there is no manual. And like, that's one of those things that like, I think both of us really internalized for the better and, and want to share with other people. That works with therapy. If you do that, if you keep not sticking with psychiatrists, you will get blacklisted pretty fast. Really? Yeah, well, yeah, because you, you they mentioned consider it drug-seeking behavior. Got it. And then you get... Uh, well, between that and just... I kind of cussed out the last psychiatrist I had from Mayo Clinic. And so I think I'm probably blacklisted in the 
<laughs> entire psychiatric. Um, but I found I found a different institution and a different and things. Yeah, it works out. Psychopharmacologist, or is that I, I don't know. That's who, who that I work with. Yeah, I I couldn't tell you so what it is. So is that a cross between a psychologist and a psychiatrist? Like a psychologist that does talk therapy <sighs> but can prescribe as well? I it is the title of the person that I've been working <laughs> with to get my attention deficit. Because really that sounds like someone it. on a bus with a bunch of LSD. <laughs> Psychopharmacologist, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But like Grateful Dead, like walking like the Jerry Bears walking down. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so w- w- we could talk about mental health for a long time. It's a uh, uh a comfortable topic for me, but. And I, I just, I, I, before we move on, I just have to thank you for talking so frankly and so refreshingly openly about something that I think a lot of us take too seriously. Um, and it is just awesome for there to be something out. Like I, you know, I came for the apps and I stayed for the, (laughs) for the authenticity really. Um, and I, have to also say I went freaking broke when I started listening to this, buying all the picks. <laughs> um, I had to stop for a while. So I became curious about why I've, I have this like almost compulsion to just talk about these things. Um, and so I, a friend of mine who is actually like a professional coach, uh, life coaches, I don't like the buzzword. I don't think she does either. But she coaches people. And so she sat down with me and we talked about um, basically Myers-Briggs personality portraits. And I found out that I'm pretty much, I fit into like INTJ, which is introverted, intuitive thinking, judging. Mm. And it explains so much of why I like, as soon as I have an opportunity and I feel like the person or audience is worth it, I just want to explain everything about me, every dirty, like, I don't care what they think at some point. And yeah, so uh, that's been really helpful to me to like figure out why I'm so oddly, brutally honest about things that I get like, thank you letters regularly from people like almost daily from people who are like, uh, thank you so much for talking about this. It's, you know, given me hope with all the stigma that I face and, Sure, you're welcome. I can't help it. It's uh, probably a weird <laughs> weird uh, OCD thing on its own. But yeah, okay. I will stop talking about me. But that stuff is kind of fascinating. The I can definitely relate to that. And that's been like, I think, a, you know, I don't know, blessing, curse, um, and everything in between. In it's a blessing a if you channel. can make it work for you. Right. And, and as a content creator, you can. Because yes. your audience finds you instead of you trying to please someone who doesn't get it. Right. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So we should do the top three picks. Let's do it. All right. You get to start one at a time. All right. Cool. Uh, so I guess the first one is uh, I would have to say the the program that I went through after I graduated from college that led to project uplift and getting to travel the world talking about mental health and at least feeling like I've been making a difference with this project uplift thing. Um, it was all in the structure of 
the curriculum for living at landmark, which is made up of like four programs they offer. Um, it just was an awesome education that in so many ways fit like a puzzle piece in the missing parts for me of what I wanted out of college, like sort of like a hit the ground running, make stuff happen, like void that I kind of like, I, there was like definitely a point in college where I was considering emptying my bank account in a car and driving and never coming back. Cause I felt like I was wasting my folks money. And, and then my major kicked in and I started learning a lot about filmmaking and communication and teamwork. And that kept me there. But, uh, but yeah, I, I had a lot of entrepreneurial for lack of a less pretentious word, um, desire in college that was kind of unscratched. Um, and the coaching and the content and the, I don't know if you can even call the mentorship, whatever it was that I got at a landmark really served me and kind of helped me scratch that itch and continue to do it on my own since, uh, completing that curriculum. So, uh, so yeah, I, I recommend it to anybody who's out to, you know, cause some massive result breakthrough thingy, um, or have had an idea that people thought were stupid and they want to do it anyway and are looking for a structure to, uh, you know, and benefit from that kind of structure. What would it cost a person to partake? Uh, that's a great question. I think it's different from in different cities. Uh, I think the, the landmark forum is the first course in the curriculum. Um, I know in New York it's like 665 bucks. Um, I'm pretty sure. Why not 666? Why, why pull that punch? That's a great question. I, it's up from like five ninety five or something a couple of years ago. Um, you, you'd have to talk to them um, for like the number of hours. For, I think it's like a fifty hour, like three days and a, three and a half days. It ends up breaking out to a pretty nice hourly rate. If you're yeah, ever that's done actually therapy surprisingly or affordable. Yeah, and it comes with like a ten week. Like it, there was like a a seminar included in it because I think every like everybody can agree that a weekend can be really powerful, but it's also a weekend. And so if you're promising like breakthroughs, it probably helps to have like a nice runway after that to like keep getting coaching. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that, that I guess, and then. So is like, it like a seminar format? Like yes. You just listen to people for a whole weekend. Um, it's a lot, it's the listening is yes, it's not like one person talking at you. It's more like somebody like the person leading it talks and then people in like you're in the room with like 150, 200 people and like somebody will get up to the mic and share about something that they want to like, you know, break through in and they'll get like they'll interact with the person, the leading the event. And some people never share the weekend and get with, the, you know, I'm just here to listen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I've met people who did that and got a lot of value and I'm much more of the compulsive. I, I have never done a Myers-Briggs, but I have a feeling whatever it is that has you say the compulsive sharing thing, I feel like that's <laughs> something I can definitely relate to. I'll send you a, a, a portrait uh, they like, oh, awesome. they describe the whole thing, but this, like, I, I don't do well at conferences and seminars, but right. 
given the opportunity to jump in and talk, I get way more, I learn way more if I even just public interaction. So yeah, yeah that sounds useful. Me too. Yeah. So yeah, that, that would, I, I would say my, my first pick would be that curriculum. And I, I, I don't say the forum or I don't say like the self-expression cause it, it kind of, for me worked as a, a package deal. Um, but I know a lot of people who just did the forum and love that. And, uh, and it's really, you know, there to be taken advantage of or not. I am slightly annoyed that their website keeps popping up flash based pop-up windows. Don't get me started on their website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, this is, it's this an is improvement over their last one. 1996 at best. Um, I know. But it, oh, except yeah. not though, I think that I think aside, it's like 2013. This, but this, this is a this is a good testimonial yeah. for it. Uh, just block your pop up windows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my first pick is uh, I I write a lot of Markdown, and there is it's not part of the original spec, but you can write tables in Markdown using a format that kind of combines. PHP, Markdown Extra, and multi-Markdown table formats with a lot of pipes and, and colons and dashes to like define cells. And it is way more difficult than just using a spreadsheet program. So there's a new app that just came out this week called Table Flip. Of course, by the time this episode goes up, it'll be like three weeks ago, but... <laughs> It's, it's fresh, it's new, it's called Table Flip, and it gives you a spreadsheet interface for editing tables in Markdown documents. So this is of limited appeal to the audience, but if you write in Markdown or want to write in Markdown, Table Flip is kind of amazing. Uh, it kind of flips the tables on... Uh, I feel like there should be a good line there, but I, I don't have... It changes the game because you can you can select a table that you started in a document and then edit it in a, like a very much Excel kind of like tab between fields, get a whole spreadsheet interface, and then when you save, it updates your document and vice versa. If you change your document in the meantime, table flip in the background will pick that up and update itself. And you can also just create a table from scratch in table flip and then add it to a document with a simple like... Uh, copy to clipboard and then paste it somewhere else. It's very cool. This looks awesome. I actually, uh, so my whole note taking universe has switched from Evernote to Markdown because of systematic. Um, and, uh, like love marked. I've been waiting for, uh, for NV alts predecessor successor. Um, bit, and I'm super writer. excited yeah. whenever, whenever um no rush soon, <laughs> but i've been using soon. ulysses for now um which has been serving me relatively well although i have an android device in my life now and that's been kind of a pain um so this looks super cool it i've is. never dared to make a table in markdown because i just like don't <laughs> they can the be time. very handy they are a, a pain to write though and i really i've so I wrote a couple of services for like, you can just use a bunch of commas and it was based on someone else's work, which is okay. well attributed, but this is still just so much easier. There's really no good way to write a table in plain text and make it easy. 
That's why I've never done it before. Like five <laughs> columns and 20 lines, you've already made it almost impossible to scan until you like clean it up and then you edit it and it gets out of whack again. And anyway. Yeah. Awesome. And they have a sale going on right now. They 20% do. off. I, I, I hesitated to mention it because this episode won't come out for a couple of weeks. Uh, it's through October 5th. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Internet. But maybe I can get them to provide a promo code. Uh, they have another one. Save 80% by spreading the word until right. October 31st. Yeah, so he's doing a, might, yeah. a rather innovative campaign where anyone who gets like a certain number of shares on a share on any on social media uh, he'll like brilliant. just mail you a 80 percent off coupon that's a legit growth hack i i feel like yeah it's it's transparent it's hey help uh, me out and i don't know how you feel about growth hacking we we teach it at one month um at which is funny because we're a y combinator company if you're familiar with that yeah. side of the startup sphere and like um the fat one of the founders of Y Combinator is famously attributed to calling all growth hacks BS. Um, and I'm, I tend to be in that camp except for things like this that are like genuine <laughs> and like, see, yeah, are like driven by something that works. Yeah. Or, you know, obviously an experiment to see what happens, but sure. With a, a valid payoff to get word out and, not just sending out promo tweets and please retweet and right yeah. it's not like changing the color of like the logo <laughs> to see if more click you know what i mean it's A-B just like testing on I, logo I'm, design i'm sure that that yeah, I mean, that stuff makes a difference i just am not that patient but this is this seems really cool yeah all right so what's your number 2 number 2 is uh i was thinking a lot about you know for people who are looking to like take on their self-care with technology. You know, I get a lot of questions about like what I use and there's a lot of hardware out there and it can get pretty pricey. Um, So I thought I would recommend uh, the device that for the benefit and the cost is like the sweetest deal out there in my opinion. And that's been the M-Wave 2 by a company called HeartMath. And so this is a biofeedback device. It works with heart rate variability. It is maybe the size of a large matchbox, charges with uh, an old school like mini USB. I forget what it's even called because micro has taken over. But um, you basically just like put your thumb on a heart rate sensor that's also like has the two buttons that let you control the volume and the difficulty of how hard it's like sort of working you. Um, And Next to the thumb pad, there's a a set of LED lights where it basically is listening to your heart rate and trying to get you to get a coherence going so that as you, as your heart rate increases, it wants you to inhale. And as your heart rate slows down, it wants you to exhale. And so it kind of guides you in your breathing rate based on your heart rate. And there's like, an ear clip so you don't have to hold on to it if you just kind of want to sit there and you can have it beep at you instead of looking at the lights if you want to close your eyes. Um, And it plugs in to the computer and works with a suite of uh, applications. And if you're into data tracking, you can download all your, you know, data into that and track how you're doing. Um, And HeartMath has been around for a a long time. Um, 
there are other products out there that are pretty great. I think the stress eraser costs a little bit less, but it doesn't have the software suite. And there's some things about it that that was the first thing I borrowed from my cognitive behavioral therapist where I learned meditation from with technology. Um, and if you really want the brainwave sensing stuff, I've used Muse. I think they make a great product. I also think that consumer grade EEG tech just like is going to take a couple more years and the price point kind of puts people off. Um, it's like 300 bucks instead of like 150 or 100. I don't even know how much the M wave is anymore, but yeah, pick number two. M wave two. M wave two is $199 for prime customers on Amazon. I guess it's not that much more expensive than if I the, search uh, for stress eraser, it just gives me the M wave two. Is that a different product? Is whoa. there's one called No, it was totally different. There's one called Inner Balance Lightning. That's uh stress eraser portable biofeedback device. A stress eraser, uh, all one word. Uh yeah, stress oh. stress eraser, all one word. I don't know if they sell it anymore. It's currently unavailable. Yeah. Um the so then I'm seeing um, heart math. It looks like they make a hundred and twenty nine dollar inner balance lightning. Yeah. Thing. So it looks that's like it, what you I'm can, seeing. Right. That's pro. It looks like the same technology just built into your iPhone. Ah. Um. So that looks pretty cool. Except I think that that would be a pain for me with the new iPhone and no headphone jack. But that is another problem <laughs> for another day. Yes. All right. So I'm adding a link to the lightning one as well for people who don't think that's a pain. Um, <laughs> my second pick will be, it's an iOS app called stash and I'm really liking the idea of it. I, I use the reading list on iOS a lot, like to save links I see on Twitter and then want to read later but I don't use Safari as my primary browser. So that involves a lot of hacks to move those links to Pinboard and then check them in Spillo. And Stash is a, a web-based and iOS-based app that allows you to push bookmarks between all your devices and uh, easily bookmark things like videos you want to watch, audio. It's pocket kind of, but without the whole readability thing. And I'm... And you can also snooze links to remind you to read them later, which is actually really handy. I need that. <laughs> yeah. And then you can search. Ugh. There's good search with uh, filtering and tagging and all that. So I'm, 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 I'm in trial mode, but not sure. like, not like, I, I don't even remember if I paid for this, but I think it might be a free app. I don't remember. No, it is free. It's free right now. But uh, when I say trial mode, I just mean still giving it a shot. Not an official endorsement, but it's very intriguing to me. It looks interesting. I'm I'm amazed that they're using like iPhone three Gs on their <laughs> <laughs> on their site. I'm like, it's beta. <laughs> cool. They've probably probably been developing it as long as we've been developing Bitwriter, right? Which means all of their initial marketing materials might be out of date. Right. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Yeah, I do know how that goes. Nice. So anyway, number three for you. Number three for me is the thing that honestly I probably have been sharing the most in the last year. It is a tech product that has altered my like daily 
life, um, which I can't say about most of the crap I buy. Um, and, uh, it's something that I kickstarted that's successfully on the, in the, I think Indiegogo, this is Bluetooth headphones that are bone conductive. Um, uh, it's a company called Aftershocks and the product is called Trex Titanium. And these are, uh, essentially market is like running headphones. I skateboard a lot. I love to run. Um, and, uh, their tagline is stay open, which makes a big difference when you're doing either skateboarding or running or biking or really anything in New York city traffic. Um, it makes a big difference to have your ears open while you enjoy your podcast and or music. Um, and these things do just that they, uh, they vibrate sound through your jaw into your inner ear so that you don't have to have earbuds in your ear holes, which are great because earbuds don't fit in my tiny, tiny ears. And I am prone to like kind of ear problem infection stuff. So it's like nice to not have to put anything in my ears to hear sound and also kind of trippy and futuristic. Yeah, that's, that sounds really cool. My ear canals are different sizes. Um, Oh, that's even more of a challenge. It is like I've never found oh. the right pairing. Uh, there's a I use a set of Bose headphones that just kind of hang inside your ear. They have wings that like right. push against the inner folds of your ear, and those work for me. They don't fall. I, I can run well. in those. But this sounds kind of way better. I've never found a pair of like earbud cups. Mm-hmm. That I can keep both ears in at the same time, even if I like use different sizes. Right. Those never, none of those sizes work for me <laughs> ever. I get that. I do get Ugh. that. Um, and yeah, no, that, that bypassing it entirely has been the best for me. The, the only downside, in my opinion, when I'm on the subway, the surrounding sound can be too loud that I have to like stick my finger in my ear yeah, to hear that is it. The nice part about like cups is you can kind of seal out. Right. Yeah. Um, my previous pair were the Plantronics, uh, like go, so, I know they're like bright colors. Um, it's like they're one set of like running. Yeah. Uh, the backbeat go to or something. I don't know. No, no, it's not those. Anyway, <laughs> long story short, bone conductive headphones for the win that sounds awesome uh and at 129 dollars, that's actually less than i paid for my bose ones so and you'll find them on sale for like 79 bucks sometimes i'm like kind of kicking myself i didn't get two more pairs because <laughs> i've been like sweating through these things like they're, they're just on me every day so people still skateboard uh yes um especially in the summer in new york you don't it's mean been, longboarding uh both So I actually primarily longboard. Before that, I was uh, pennyboarding, which is those like tiny, deadly, like oh yeah, the seventies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I learned on that with the intention to get an electric skateboard, Um, (laughs) and I found one that was going to be awesome, and I'm sure it is. But they just gave me so much agita in the. It was like a Indiegogo that is the size of a penny board that goes 18 miles an hour from Italy. It was like a father son team and they were just horrible at communicating. Um, they had a really cool looking product. They're like most, you know, like really promising Kickstarters. Indiegogo's got like horribly, horribly delayed, but didn't talk to anybody. And it was just like a small 
like revolt in the comments. And it hit a point where I was just like, I hadn't been an original funder. I was like, they had been successfully funded and they came back for more. Um, and so it was like technically a pre-order. So I felt that I had the grounds to go back to my credit card and be like, yo, these people are totally unresponsive. And a month after that, they finally shipped. And so <laughs> right in time for winter. So I'm, I'm glad that I took my money back and got a long board and that's been a lot of fun. But yeah, a lot of people skateboard in New York. I am not one of them. I longboard. I like a comfy ride more You're than so millennial. Okay. <laughs> oh. Wow. Like I grew up at the era of thrash and and like thrash magazine and skateboarding and uh half pipes and now <laughs> it's all um not entirely, but most of what I see is people on longboards just using them for transportation and right to me that's not skateboarding that's just low-tech transport right so that's exact you're you're totally on point <laughs> i've uh one of one of my like wesleyan university youtuber i we we haven't spent a ton of time together but just like one of the social media friends in my circles is an actual skateboarder and has a great youtube channel of like busting his ass you know actually skateboarding which is not what i do yeah one of my good friends here excellent guitar player grew up with like caballero and tony hawk and uh, like he goes and visits them and they skate even oh now that they're God. in the their late 40s 50s um so yeah like <laughs> it is yeah, a, it's a, a different, different world for sure right all right anyway okay my last pick i again i'm just starting to play with it literally an hour ago um but i'm very intrigued by it it's called cordify uh c-h-o-r-d-i-f-y and it can take music input and detect chords and show you how to play it on a guitar and i find that very intriguing because there are a lot of times even if i'm translating it to keyboard or piano just having something just tell me the chord progression and I can just work with it automatically, especially if there are like alternate tunings involved. So this is, I, I'm, I'm hoping that it turns out to be good. There have been versions of this idea in the past. And according to the description, it's like the best ever. We'll find out. I can follow up on this pick, but I'm going to point it out anyway. And people can help me out. It's uh, it's free. So I'm very impressed with the promise of this <laughs> and very skeptical about the reality. <laughs> yeah, I'm I would love you. a follow up. I'm with and you. I'm that's, probably going to be why playing being around so, with this um, myself. I'm being so hesitant <laughs> yeah. to like right. full endorse. on endorse it yet. But yeah, we'll see. Also, I've been recording systematics ahead of time and it's a chore to try to keep up with really good topics that won't be stale by the time the episode comes out and haven't been used before since i have like two episodes in the in the can at any time right it's a lot of top picking i have to do i Whew. don't envy you <laughs> i i definitely was like I, I have had a markdown file evolve over the last however long we've been emailing um i have too it has <laughs> uh well not I'm like mine's years right. old and so and they're constantly like going yeah 50 lines in it and about 48 of them are now defunct and no longer available Dang. or valid or I've changed my mind about them. You know, stuff happens. 
Dang. Cool. They have okay in the, on the Cortify site. They have a quote from Greg Hetson uh, from Bad Religion and the Circle Jerks. And he said, I'm using Cortify to learn new tunes for my punk rock karaoke band, which is a hilarious quote. He does actually have a punk rock karaoke is actually a band. But that is I'm impressed that they have that on there. That makes me want to get into it more. That is a ringing endorsement. <laughs> Genius marketing. <laughs> All right. So, Zach, you can be found at ZachValenti.com, which yes. is Z-A-C-H-V-A-L-E-N-T-I.com. And also on Twitter as at ZachValenti. Same spelling, because consistency. Um, <laughs> like, surprise. <laughs> you can learn more about Project Uplift at Uplift.is. Uh, you can learn more about Wolf 359 at wolf359.fm. Is that one right? Yes, that's correct. Is there anywhere else you want to mention? Um, if you're interested in Pillow Play, that's pillow.io. Um, and uh, I th- and if you are you know dying to learn how to code and you know want to do that, one month.com. That's o n e m o n t h dot com. Got it. And those will all be in the show notes as well. And I am. As you may know, Brett Terpstra, I am TT Scoff everywhere, and I write at brettterpstra.com. And ttscoff.com redirects. You've obviously listened to the show before, and my my tortured explanation (laughs) of my my URL locations. Oh, that was redundant. That's like saying ATM machine. (laughs) Which is apparently the same thing as saying chai tea, because apparently chai means tea. But (laughs) now we're just riffing. Beautiful. All right. Um, So, yeah. Thanks for being here, Zach. Pleasure. We will uh, see everybody in a week. Bye.